0: You're not in this story.
1: Yeah, well, we're making it up as we go.
0: Welcome to Making It Up As We Go, a Destiel fan fiction anthology podcast. I'm your host and reader, Nerdy Nerdenstein, but you can call me Katie. The story is ours now. You can't have it back. Please be warned that this podcast can and will depict explicit sexual content and is not intended for young audiences. Hello and welcome. Today, I'll be reading Love Bites by Mal Muses. Finishing up with chapters 7 and 8. The pertinent tags for today's fic are Alternate Universe Modern Setting, Creature Fic, Two-Person Love Triangle, Vampire Dean Winchester, Barista Castiel, Mechanic Dean Winchester, Virgin Castiel, Anxious Castiel, Confident Dean Winchester. Openly Bisexual Dean Winchester. Unrequited Castiel slash Hannah. Terrible Parenting. Men of Letters Drama. First Time. First Dates. Please Don't Feed Real Bats Cheeseburgers. Emotional Hurt Comfort. Strangers to Bats to Lovers. If you are able please go to the author's AO3 story and give comments and kudos to them for sharing this with us. The link is in the show notes. This will also be posted on AO3 as a podfic under my username, and the link will be in the show notes as well. Chapter 7 A new exhibit about Pluto had opened at the Astronomy Museum, and everyone at Heavenly Bodies Cafe had been run off their feet all week. Cass had been glad of the work to keep him busy and distracted, but it was finally quieter, and Hannah had decided to take her day off, her first in two weeks, and leave Kevin and Cass in charge for the day. Which meant, of course, that Kevin took charge of up front. And Cass did everything else. Washing the dishes, clearing the tables, keeping the floors clean. Whatever Kevin needed him to do, really, as long as it didn't involve having to speak to anyone. Cass had been even quieter than usual for the past couple of weeks. He was aware of it, but also grateful that none of his co-workers had mentioned it. They'd noticed, of course, that Cass had no more daily coffee-not-dates, Things had pretty much gone back to how they'd been before Dean, before Winchester, had arrived in his life, and even Kevin seemed hesitant to mention it. Cass, for his part, wished that people would stop tiptoeing around him. Obviously he wouldn't, couldn't, tell them the truth about what happened with Michael's wedding. It was better that they all thought he was suffering from a broken heart and didn't want to talk about it. But he wished they'd stop being so nice. The fact that he was heartbroken was neither here nor there. He was also angry, and he was confused. He'd tried to call Dean several times since the wedding, sent texts and left messages, but nothing. He wasn't too surprised about it, but he was disappointed. If nothing else, he felt he deserved some kind of explanation. But then, his thoughts eternally looped. Dean deserved an explanation from him, too. He hadn't told Dean about his family. Of course he hadn't. In all his life up until that day, no one would have believed him even if he had told. But by hiding his men-of-letters connections from Dean, he'd put him in danger. And he felt terrible about that. He just wanted to know if Dean was okay. Sure, he wanted to know if any of it had been real, too. Had Dean ever had any feelings for him? Why had he spent time with Cass in both his forms? Why had any of it happened? But none of his phone calls had been returned. And even though he'd left his living room window open every night in hope it had gone unused so kevin's quiet kind pity on top of all that confusion was just too much there's a man here to see you kevin said frowning tall guy suit stress looking do you want me to tell him to go away i can pretend you're not here or kevin Cass smiled and tried not to look frustrated Thank you. I'm a big boy. I can mess up my own social interactions. Thank you. Kevin grinned and gave Cass a little shrug. Okay. but Just let me know if I need to kung fu someone off the premises, okay? Laughing at his dorky friend, Cass wiped the dish bubbles off his arms. He winced. Right hand was still shaded with fading bruises from Michael's wedding. Cass wasn't a violent person but he'd been unable to stop himself from lashing out during the devastating argument that had ensued after Dean fled. He threw the towel at Kevin on the way past him. "'If I need you to go all Jackie Chan, I'll let you know,' he replied. Cass walked to the counter, where a man was waiting nervously, his fingers wrapped around a to-go cup of coffee that he wasn't drinking. He was incredibly tall, Cass was on the bigger side of average, but this guy towered over him. "'He smiled, trying to make sure his expression was schooled into "'Welcome to Heavenly Bodies,' rather than, "'Holy Christ, you're tall!' "'Hello, you asked for me,' he tried, "'stepping to the side of the register so that they didn't block the line. "'Uh, yeah, you're Cass, right?' the man asked, "'sounding hopeful and nervous.' Yes, uh, that's me. Do you have time to have a cup of coffee with me? Cass squinted, unsure. Never in his life before Dean two months ago had someone wandered in off the street and wanted to spend time with him. Is this just... Is this what people do now? Lost, he looked to Kevin, who was trying to straighten his laughing face behind his hand. Oh, uh, no, no. The man held up one hand. I'm not, not that you're not, I mean, you're a handsome dude, I can definitely see what he, never mind, I don't swing that way. Cass blinked. So, I'm so sorry, my name's Sam, I'm Dean's brother. Cass wasn't sure what his face was doing, but both Kevin and Sam were looking at him with some concern. "'I, uh, right,' he said eloquently. "'You want to go, Cass?' Kevin asked, gesturing to the single customer who'd just wandered through the door. "'It's hardly busy. I'll be fine. "'But you know, if not, Jackie Chan.' Sam's brow raised slightly, but he didn't say anything. "'No Jackie Chan for now,' Cass said, smiling gratefully. I'll just grab some tea and go see what he wants. He turned and gestured to one of the booths at the back, nodding to Sam. Once he had his tea made, he exhaled slowly, calming the surge of his nerves. He was always terrible at talking to strangers, but Sam might be his only chance to get answers. Lowering himself into the opposite seat to the floppy-haired, nervously smiling guy, he cleared his throat. So, uh, hi. Sam offered one giant hand to shake. Sorry, we got a bit tangled there. I'm Sam Winchester. Dean probably mentioned me. Cash shook the offered hand lightly. Yeah. You lived together in the house at the back of the salvage yard, which you inherited from your Uncle Bobby. He recited carefully from memory. He raised you. He sure did. Sam smiled fondly. My brother is... He's a good guy, really. I'm sure you don't believe that right now, but he is. I'm sorry about what happened with the, uh, wedding stuff. I don't know what I believe right now. Cass said to his tea, before looking back up at Sam. Why are you here? I mean, uh... Sorry, that was blunt. I just meant... Sam held up a hand, stopping him. No, that's a fair question. I took Dean's phone to charge it because he hadn't touched it since the other weekend. And I noticed that you'd called and left a bunch of messages. So I figured if you were willing to contact him, you deserve an explanation. Well, he clearly doesn't want to talk to me. He isn't talking to anyone, Cass. He hasn't even gotten out of bed since the wedding. Michael, um, he hurt him pretty bad. Between your other brother restraining him and fighting and the attempted exorcism, Sam explained. Is he okay? Cass's disloyal stomach betrayed him with a flutter of panic. I, no matter what his intentions were or what happened, I don't want him to get hurt. I should have told him about my family, but I never dreamed it would matter. I, hey, calm down. Drink that. Sam said soothingly. Nudging, Cass's tea mug toward him. Dean is okay for the most part. He didn't manage to fly far, and he was afraid of being stuck as a bat again, so he forced a change not far from the hotel and managed to have me come and get him. Cass nodded, letting Sam continue. When he was restrained, I think your brother aggravated his shoulder again, the one that was still healing from before. At that, Cass tilted his head slightly. Before? The, uh, you know. Sam lowered his voice, apparently conscious that they would be heard even in their private corner. The wing you took care of? Oh. Oh, right. Cass nodded slowly. It was still a little surreal to connect Wing Chester and Dean so very literally. I always did think their eyes were the same, he mused before looking back to Sam. But you said he's okay, for the most part. Yeah, I mean, exorcisms like that hurt like a bitch, even if they fail. And he was a bit banged up from the fight. His shoulder is suffering. We're, uh, well, we're not sure if he'll fly again. But honestly, given how everyone else that met your brother ended up, Sam's face was hard. Cass frowned and found that he couldn't lift his eyes from the shimmering surface of his hot tea. I don't blame Dean for the fight. Michael attacked him first. All he was doing was defending himself. But I'm curious about the, uh, stuff he said. Sam raised an eyebrow quizzically, gesturing for Cass to continue. He tried to tell Michael that he doesn't hurt people. That he... Cass trailed off, feeling ridiculous. Oh... Sam smiled, but it was a sad, resigned expression. Yeah, the animal blood thing. Just because we were born a certain way, Cass, doesn't mean we're bad people. We're not like our extended family. We haven't drunk from a human for years. After your brother destroyed our family, we... Well, we don't want that life. We never did. Dean's been struggling with it a bit more since he got a mouthful of Michael, but... Sam shrugged, taking a long pull from his coffee cup before he continued. I'm not asking you to understand us, Cass. Honestly, I begged Dean to stay away from you. But he got to know you after you rescued him, even if it was one-sided. And there was nothing I could do. He was already crazy about you. But he's not stupid. He knows what you must think of him now. Of me. Of all of us. I was just, well, I was hoping that maybe I could convince you that we just want to be left alone. We don't want any trouble. It took a moment for Sam's words to sink in, and when they first did, Cass found himself flushing with offense and irritation. But he took a breath, sipped some tea, and tried to respond calmly. Sam... I understand why you would be concerned about me knowing about you and Dean, I do. But I need you to listen to me and to understand when I tell you that as much as you are nothing like your family, I am nothing like mine. If Dean had just told me, I would have never let him near Michael. I would have never betrayed someone who chose a different path. And I'm sorry if it seems in any way that I did. So... You're not going to tell your family where we are? Sam asked slowly. Cass gave a dry laugh, holding up his still bruised hand. I don't think my family is ever going to speak to me again, and I'm fine with that. I'm not very good at throwing a punch. I lack my family's training. But an effort was made. You," A small smile began to grow over Sam's face. You punched one of your family members? Cass winced in embarrassment, but it turned into a grin despite himself. Well, they did try to kill my fake boyfriend. Michael was already pretty incapacitated by Dean, but as soon as Luke opened his mouth and started talking about me helping them find him, I couldn't help myself. Wow, Sam said. I'm impressed. Don't be. I've wanted to punch that devil in the face since I was six years old. It was entirely self-serving. Cass joked quietly, still looking at his tea. I, uh, I guess I should ask how Michael is. About what you'd expect for someone who got their throat ripped out. He's alive, but I doubt he'll ever hunt again. He's breathing through a tube last I heard. Honestly, it's no big loss for anyone. They fell into silence for a minute, both awkwardly picking at their cups and taking sips. Until Cass decided to go ahead and get out what he wanted to say. It wasn't like he could say it to anyone else after all. I don't understand why Dean is avoiding me. He never even gave me a chance to talk to him about it, or tell him that I don't care what he is as long as he's a good person. The thing you have to understand about Dean, Sam began, smiling crookedly, is that he can be his own worst enemy. He's not as confident as he makes himself out to be. And right now he's convinced that you think he's a monster and you want nothing to do with him. Add on to that the fact that he might not be able to fly anymore and that he got his ass kicked by a bunch of lettersmen. Well, like I said, he's barely left his bed for the past week and a half. Is he in a lot of discomfort? I mean, I don't know how it works if he's injured in one form or another. I really don't know a lot about, um, how you work at all. He's been better, but again, he'll be fine. He's alive and he's pissy. And for Dean, that's kind of like measuring his pulse. It means he'll get better. They lapsed into another slightly uncomfortable silence, and Cass was about to suggest that he should get back to work when Sam spoke up again. Cass, if you really don't want to run us out of town or anything, then, well, there is one more thing I want to ask you. It's super awkward and maybe kind of asshole though, I don't know. Hmm? Cass raised an eyebrow, waiting. Dean was always talking about how smart you are. He even wanted to try and offer you a job working for the businesses he owns, but I pretty much ordered him not to. Sorry about that. Sam winced. Huh, thought Cass. So all that stuff with Naomi, there was a sliver of truth in there somewhere. Problem is, Sam carried on. What Dean laid up for the last couple weeks, on top of the last time he disappeared just a few weeks back when he was with you, well, stuff has really fallen really behind, with paperwork and all. And I work late as an attorney, so you want me to help you? Cass interrupted, slightly incredulous. Sam grimaced visibly. Uh, yes? Maybe? I know that's a lot to ask, given everything, but we'd pay you as best we could. It probably won't be enough hours for you to quit here yet, but the way things are going, it could be, soon. And, well, I get it if you don't want to work with people like us, but we could use your help. Something like hope fluttered in Cass's chest, and to Sam's obvious surprise, he grinned. Okay, I'll do it. Come on, Piccolo. Just go to the janitor's closet and meet him, Dean grumbled at the TV screen. Go get what you want. "'Someone in life should. Damn.' "'He had always been just a little too invested in Dr. Sexy, M.D. "'But it had gotten worse with the couple of weeks he'd spent watching old episodes while he healed,' Dean realized. "'Not that it mattered. Who was going to care if he spent too much time in front of the TV anyway?' "'The pillow behind him slipped down as he reached across to grab the remote and skip to the next episode.' He'd never admit to owning all of the Dr. Sexy box sets. There were, after all, at least a couple he still didn't have. Putting the remote back on the nightstand, Dean winced and hissed aloud, trying to grasp at the fallen pillow. Oh, this is one of my favorite episodes, came a familiar voice from Dean's bedroom doorway. Dean's head snapped around, his eyes widening, to see Cass stood nervously with one foot inside the room, a large file box under his arm. He gave Dean an awkward little smile. Hello, Dean, he said. Dean blinked slowly, unable to reconcile the image of Cass walking into his bedroom with reality. Is it okay if... Can I come in? Cass asked quietly, before gesturing to the box under his arm. I came to pick up the receipts of the classic car work, and I asked Sam if I could come in and, uh, well, I just wanted to say hi, see how you were doing. Uh. Dean struggled for a minute, but couldn't find a good enough reason why not. Sure, I guess. Cass moved surprisingly quietly across the creaky floor, putting his box of filing down at the foot of Dean's bed before he moved to perch nervously on the end of it. Turned towards Dean. How are you feeling? He asked quietly after a moment, looking down at Dean's crinkled navy comforter rather than up at Dean himself. Uh, "Been better," Dean admitted begrudgingly. "But I'm alive, so can't complain." Dean, I, Cass trailed off for a moment, watching his fingers nervously pick at Dean's sheets. I'm so sorry about what happened, I... You have nothing to apologize for. Dean snapped before he could help himself. I'm the monster here. Cass's head jerked up Then, his bright blue eyes wide and astonished as he looked across at Dean. That's what you think. That's a fact, Cass. Dean tried to turn grumpily back to the TV but his pillow was still slumped down uncomfortably behind his back, and he twisted painfully to try to grab it. His shoulder was healing slowly, but his left arm was still very limited in its range of movement. He grimaced involuntarily at the pulling sensation in the muscle. Cass must have noticed as he reached forward to grab the pillow. Here, let me. I don't need your help, Cass. Please, please, Dean, let me help. Cass sounded stricken and miserable, and Dean couldn't make head nor tails of it. As Cass fluffed the pillow, Dean noted the shading of healing bruises all across the back of Cass's hand and across his knuckles. Before he could catch himself, Dean's hand darted out and gently grabbed Cass's arm. What's this? I, uh. Cass looked embarrassed. I punched Luke. After you left, he thought I'd help them find you. But he was wrong. Dean couldn't help the low chuckle that built up in his chest. You really don't know how to land a punch, do you? He asked, very carefully turning Cass's hand in his own before he released him. No. Cass flushed a bit. It probably hurt me a lot more than him, but I think my point was made they won't be coming to look for you, or contacting me either. In the quiet that fell between them, Dr. Piccolo could be heard rattling around the broom closet. Dean didn't feel like talking anymore. Even looking at Cass was getting a bit much. How could something so wonderful that he wanted so much be so close and yet so impossible? He sighed and rolled awkwardly onto his side turning the volume of the TV up a little. I was hoping that maybe we could talk, Cass said quietly, still sitting on the other side of the bed. Not feeling up to much talking, sorry, Dean said, silently choking. Oh, said Cass quietly. Another minute passed and the mattress shifted. "I, you could stay and watch for a bit if you wanted. Dean whispered the words coming out without any permission from him. He squeezed his eyes shut, cursing himself. The mattress creaked again, slower, and there were some shuffling noises among the fabric of the empty half. Dean wanted to roll over and look at Cass, but he couldn't. He didn't want to see what was reflected in Cass's eyes when he looked at Dean. How betrayed Cass must feel. How manipulated and lied to no matter how Dean had meant it or what his intentions were. The fact that Cass was even here was a miracle, and Dean could only imagine that it was from some misplaced sense of guilt since he was now too broken to even fly. Cass should leave. Dean should release him, tell him he could go. But he didn't. They didn't talk during the couple of episodes that rolled by. The tense silence slowly evaporated, and with an aching throb in his chest, Dean was reminded of all the evenings they'd spent together on Cass's couch watching trashy TV. But that was probably just more betrayal now to Cass. When Dean's painkillers fuzzily lulled him to sleep, he imagined a soft, Good night, Dean, from the other side of the bed. His cruel, self-flagellating dreams even provided him with the feeling of dry lips, ghosting against his temple, before the mattress relaxed back to empty. Cass came back the next day. He clattered into Dean's bedroom with somewhat less caution this time, an oddly determined look on his face as he came through the open door with a paper takeout tray containing two cups of coffee. Hello, Dean, he said, sounding more nervous than he looked. He stepped up to the side of the bed closest to where Dean was sprawled and tugged one of the cups out of the holder with a papery squeak. He offered it to Dean with a shy smile, waiting for him to take it. Dean was dazed. You. Did you have more files to pick up? He asked, taking the coffee from Cass's outstretched hand and sniffing at it longingly. It was his usual... His favorite black Americano that he ordered every time he went to Heavenly Bodies, or anywhere else. The perfect temperature and... Cass tugged a paper bag out of a brown leather messenger bag that he had slung over his shoulder. Dean had hardly noticed against the backdrop of his eternal beige trench coat. Dean thought fondly, It's not even that cold. No, no files today. Here. Cass said, shaking the folded bag at Dean. Curious, Dean carefully lifted his stiff arm and took it. The slightly greasy bakery paper was warm under his fingers. What are you doing here, then, Cass? he asked very quietly, unsure if he wanted to question it at all. This is what we do, Cass answered softly. He spoke to the lid of his takeout cup as he lowered himself down to perch on the edge of the mattress on the opposite side of the bed to Dean. Every day. We've done it for weeks. Had coffee during my breaks and just talked. I don't see why it should change just because. Because you're a monster, Dean's brain supplied. Because you're a liar. Without saying anything, Dean carefully angled himself forward, putting his coffee down on the nightstand so that he could stiffly slide one of his Dr. Sexy DVDs into the old DVD player he had beneath the small TV. They'd be picking up from the last episode Dean could remember them watching the night before. They sipped in silence, and when Dean dug into the paper bag, he found Fresh Apple Pie Cookies. When Dr. Sexy dashed out of the operating theater to chase down a sobbing young intern, Dean turned to Cass, biting his lip for a moment before he spoke. I'm really sorry, Cass. I hope you know that. What for? Cass asked him, staring right back. It wasn't challenging or dismissive. Just a check of which particular thing Dean was referring to, it seemed. Because there's so many things to apologize for, Dean realized. For everything, he said, dropping his gaze back to his coffee, cooling between his hands. For not telling you what I was. For not telling you that I kind of already knew you. In a weird way. For, you know, trying to rip your brother's throat out. Well, said Cass, quite kindly, Dean thought, given everything... I didn't tell you what my family did either, and I never liked Michael anyway. Slowly, Dean looked up, and their eyes met across the mattress. A tiny smile pulled at the corner of Cass's lips, and Dean couldn't help but mimic it. So, Cass sat up a little straighter as if he was determined to ask his questions now that the tension between them had broken. Sam told me that after your dad died, you and he stopped, uh, biting people, Dean supplied, his heart sinking even as he tried a joking smile. If Cass was going to run away, he figured this was it. Yes, that. Yeah, the way we were raised, we didn't know any different. But after Dad died, constantly feuding with hunters and men of letters and other creatures... Dean sighed, taking a big, bracing gulp of coffee to get him through. I didn't see the point. I never wanted to hurt anybody. I just wanted to raise my little brother and live my life. Cass gave a long, low exhale. Right. Not talking turned out to be easier, and Dean and Cass finished their coffees in a mostly comfortable silence before Cass had to leave. Once he'd stepped out of the door, Dean slumped back onto his bed, covering his head with his pillow. I can't do this, he thought into the comfort of fabric and down. I'll never be good enough for you. I'm still a monster, and I can't even do that right anymore. But every day, Cass came back. He brought coffee, and they'd sit together on Dean's mattress, watching TV, Sometimes they'd talk. Sometimes it seemed too difficult. After a few more days, Cass cautiously brought up the idea of physical therapy for Dean's shoulder, and that perhaps, if they could get it to heal right, he might fly again. Dean rejected the idea outright, of course. But that night when Cass left, he cried. I don't deserve this silently trickled into the pillow, and he didn't bother to wipe it away. It turned out, though, that the only person more stubborn than Dean was Cass. He'd stop by every day for their coffee lunches, and every evening that he had work to do on the salvage yard books or needed to process invoices for the garage, he'd stay late with Dean and they'd watch movies. Day by day, Cass pushed Dean until eventually he gave in and got out of bed, until he started doing his exercises, until he let Cass help. I'm going to go back to the garage tomorrow, Dean said quietly one night as Dr. Sexy performed an emergency tracheotomy on a subway train. People need me and I, well, I need to get back into the swing of things. Life goes on, right? Even if I can't fly. You still might, Cass reminded him gently, reclined familiarly on the pillows a safe foot or so away, still in his heavenly body's uniform. You just have to be patient and heal before you try. And hey, there's always planes if you want to fly somewhere. Planes? Dean looked horrified. You'll never get me in one of those death traps. The only time I'm leaving the ground is when I'm in control, thank you very much. Cass blinked, obviously biting back laughter. Flying. You're afraid of flying? Yes. Dean didn't pout. He didn't. You know how hilarious that is, right? Yes. He pouted a little. Laughing at him openly, Cass nudged Dean with his elbow. I guess we better keep working on your shoulder then, huh? You aren't going to stop until I get back to normal, are you? Dean said, not sure if he wanted to smile or cry. So, of course, he shook his head and looked away. Of course not, Cass said. He looked down to his cup. By the time Dean turned back to him, a moment had passed, and it took Dean by surprise when Cass quietly added, After all, you didn't give up on me when I needed somebody. You turned up every day and kept trying, even when I was just an awkward mess. You didn't have to do that. There was a battering ram in Dean's chest. Yeah, well, you deserved it. He managed. Cass angled slightly to Dean and opened his mouth. But before he could say whatever he had planned, something in Dean burst. And he had to know. Cass, do you, could you ever forgive me for making such a mess of everything, for not telling you the truth, for Michael, for... With one finger, Cass silenced Dean, pressing it firmly but gently to his lips. Enough. I already have. Dean's eyes squeezed tight shut and he let out a shaking huff of pure relief. And you know what? came Cass's voice, pulling Dean's eyes open once more. His words trembled with nerves as he spoke, and his hand went groping through the comforter they sat on to seek out Dean's. If I remember right, you still owe me a real date. Dean couldn't stop the crooked smile that wanted to burst out of him, so he didn't try. Yeah, Cass... Now you mention it, I think I do. Chapter 8. Take a breath. Hannah reminded Cass as she sat cross-legged on the end of his bed, watching his pile of rejected shirts grow. He hit on you in your heavenly body's uniform, Cass. You were probably covered in bubbles and half-eaten food. I don't think he cares what you wear. I know, I know. Cass grumbled, discarding an odd purple dog shirt and a t-shirt that said I love hugs on the front. That was the last time he would accept hand-me-downs from Gabriel, he decided. Beyond his heavenly body's uniforms and his interview suit, Cass had very little that was worth going out in. Okay, said Hannah, standing up to take matters into her own hands. Where are you going? A nice restaurant or something? Actually, we thought a picnic would be nice, Cass confessed. He knows I don't do so well in loud, busy places. And while we're out in the open with no one around, Dean can test out his wings, maybe, he added silently. A picnic? Hannah blinked, before beginning to dig around Cass's small closet. Wow, that's pretty romantic and also adorable. Yeah, I think so, too. It was Dean's idea. He likes to cook, so he's going to make pie and treats for us. Cass knew that Hannah was a little jealous. It was all over her face sometimes, and she was still a little prickly with Dean when he came into the cafe. But, as always, she was his best friend first, and had been nothing but kind and encouraging. He wished briefly he could find someone for her, but as it had taken him all these years to find a date for himself, he was hardly qualified as a matchmaker. A moment later, she came back with a soft navy button-down, and the only pair of clean jeans Cass seemed to have. "'These should be fine for a picnic, and you look good in navy. brings out your eyes.' "'Thank you, Hannah,' he said gratefully, before stepping off to the bathroom to change. On his return, Hannah nodded approvingly. "'Perfect. You really must like this guy, huh?' I haven't seen you go out on a date without Gabriel forcing you since, well, forever. I really do like him, Cass confessed shyly. Probably too much, given that he's a vampire. Hannah nodded and reached to tug Cass in for a quick hug. Well, he'll be here any minute, so I should get going. Good luck. I expect to hear all about it at work tomorrow. Cass appreciated the good luck. Because even though he'd gotten up the courage to remind Dean about their date in a way that was kind of almost ish like he'd asked Dean out himself, he was still incredibly nervous. He didn't really need to be, he supposed, since they were already so at ease with each other and had spent so many weeks talking. But Cass was definitely hoping for a little more than talking if he was honest with himself. Cass hadn't explicitly stated to Dean that he was a virgin but he figured it was pretty damn obvious. He barely even kissed anyone before, though in high school his friend Meg had done her best to make sure he wasn't completely ignorant in that respect. Dean, however, had been appearing in his fantasies of late, and he wouldn't even pretend that he wasn't hoping to do something about it. There was a sharp knock on the front door only minutes after Hannah departed, so Cass gave up attempting to tame his hair into something smart-looking, and instead just ran his hands through it and let it do its own wild thing. It's not like Dean hasn't seen me at 1 a.m. in sweatpants covered in Cheetos. I don't know why I'm even trying, he thought, remembering his late-night bedroom chats with Wingchester. He flushed, recalling other late-night bedroom activities that his bat friend would have been privy to. Hello, Dean, he answered, his cheeks still feeling a little warm as he eased his front door open. Let me just grab my boots and I'm ready to go. Dean's eyes were wide as he looked Cass up and down. A pleased grin settled over his face. Take all the time you need. I'm enjoying the view. Isn't it a little early to turn on the charm? We haven't even made it out onto the street yet. Ah, charm is best applied indoors, I've found. You never know where it'll lead. Dean teased giving Cass a wink as he stepped aside to let him out. Dean was dressed similarly, in faded jeans and a dark gray Henley shirt, and Cass made doubly sure that Dean spotted his appreciative lingering looks. Holding the car door open, Dean seemed determined to be a perfect gentleman, which was made all the more amusing by Cass's knowledge that he usually cursed like a sailor and had a mind that operated only inches above the gutter. The effort... Cass thought, was pretty cute. Baby, Dean's gleaming 1967 Chevy Impala, took them smoothly out of town and up to Palisades State Park, just outside of Sioux Falls. Do you have a specific spot picked out? Cass asked curiously, as Dean pulled Baby over to the side of the trail, cutting off her engine. Of course I do. Dean grinned, reaching to rub at the back of his neck, in a move that Cass now recognized as a moment of self-consciousness. I'd kind of had this planned since, well, since back before Michael's wedding. Would have been a bit colder then, a bonfire kind of deal. But now that the chill is mostly gone from the air, it'll probably be nicer. Well, Cass said, dropping his eyes down to the grass as Dean pulled a large, stuffed backpack from the trunk. Maybe now it'll be even better because we know each other better now. Yeah, was all Dean had said, soft and earnest before he extended his hand for Cass to take, twining their fingers together. Cass's heart jumped like a teenager's, and he did his best not to blush as Dean led them along one of the flattest, easiest hiking trails. It didn't take long before they came across a viewing point on the bluff overlooking the park, near the remains of an old flour mill. Cass had heard of the place from outdoorsy or colleagues, but he'd never been there himself. Dean, he gasped, amazed. It's beautiful up here. Dean grinned proudly. Sure is. I remember my dad telling me once that he used to bring my mom here on dates. Cass could see why. Split Rock Creek had, over the idly passing centuries, cut deep gorges into the red cliffs, Fifty feet below the water roared, and Cass could see shelves of quartzite rock formations jutting out from the beautifully uneven cliff faces, lit up by the early evening sunlight. They were surrounded by trees with grass beneath their feet, and they were completely alone. Dean wasted no time unpacking. He winced as he flicked out a red-and-white checkered picnic blanket, like something from a movie. Cass stepped up to him immediately, reaching out slowly for his shoulder. How are you doing with your recovery? Are you still doing your physical therapy every day, even though you're working again? I promised, didn't I? Dean smiled crookedly. Despite how it must seem to you, I try not to make a habit of lying to the people I care about. Cass couldn't help but smile up at Dean from beneath his eyelashes, his hand still resting on Dean's bicep. The little reminder of Dean's earlier secrets, smoothed easily by the tiny, perhaps even unintended, confession that to Dean, Cass was, people I care about. Hey now, Dean smiled across at Cass, allowing their eyes to catch for a moment. Don't go looking at a guy like that, Cass. You'll get yourself in trouble. Despite the flush that he had no doubt lit up his cheeks, Cass deliberately gazed at Dean a little longer. He watched him as Dean slowly started to flush in turn at the very pointed attention, happy to be able to turn the tables even a little. Cass grinned as he pulled his eyes away from Dean and began to help pull the Tupperware containers of food from Dean's backpack. An hour later, they were utterly sated on thick meaty sandwiches, cheese, pasta salads, and slices of Dean's deliciously sweet homemade pies. They sat on the blanket gazing out over the gorge at the final remains of the setting sun, admiring the last of the evening. They were shoulder to shoulder, with their knees pressed together, as they watched the last sliver of sun dip beyond the glowing red cliffs. Dean lay back on the blanket before reaching up to Cass's shoulder, tugging him gently down in turn as he stretched out. This is the best bit, he said quietly, pointing directly above them to where a break in the canopy revealed every star South Dakota had to offer. Cass's mouth parted in awe, as they lay there for another hour easily, Dean lazily pointing out constellations, with Cass snuggled into his side. Cass turned his head as he settled back onto the blanket, his face only a few tantalizing inches from Dean's. So, he asked, unable to help his grin, What do you have planned for future dates, Dean? Because I have to say, you set the bar pretty high with this one. Dean laughed, rolling onto his side so that he could prop himself up on his good elbow, looking down at Cass stretched out next to him. You saying you want more dates with me, Cass? Dean's green eyes shone even in the dim starlight, Cass noticed. They were unearthly, something about them distinctly other- even in Dean's most human form. They were breathtakingly green, the kind of green you only came across in stories, and for a moment he was too lost in them to reply. Thinking that he should say something, Cass parted his lips to speak, but found his hand drifting up to dance along Dean's perfect cheekbone instead. It glided up into the sandy hair at Dean's temple, and Cass's gaze followed his fingers, softly teasing his nails through his short hair as he kept his face. Cass's heart leaped in his throat as Dean leaned in, instinctively responding to the invitation. That's okay, Cass. Dean breathed, close enough to be sharing a breath. Cass let his lips answer, his fingers encouraging Dean to close the final inch. The kiss was no less sweet for the long time that Cass had been waiting for it. The heartbreak in the middle only seemed to have made him crave it more. Dean appeared to want to savor every moment, bringing their mouths together delicately and dancing his gentle, undemanding lips around the edges of Cass's own. He pressed his way across the bow before swooping leisurely across the bottom, softly tugging Cass's lower lip between his own with a soft inhale. Dean's warm tongue softly traced the seam of Cass's lips, and when he finally requested admission, after a long, luxurious minute, it was with the same intense, soft care, exploring every corner as if he could collect Cass's taste to memorialize him with later when the night was done. After nowhere near enough time, their lungs demanded that they pause. But they rallied valiantly. Determined to fight for more. When Dean's hand came down to Cass's flank, slowly stroking him down his side with just the gentle pressure of a thumb, it made Cass's whole torso buzz, lightning under his skin. Dean's hand rested at Cass's hip, and he made no further attempt to drift further. Just the tip of Dean's finger slowly circled over Cass's exposed hip bone, his shirt rucking up that one important inch. The feel of Dean's hands on him, even in the tiniest of ways, was agonizingly perfect. Dean, Cass breathed, doing his best not to whimper, but not sure that he'd succeeded. Dean pulled back slightly, and Cass was pleased to notice his elevated breathing in the darkness above him. It was nice to think that Dean wasn't unaffected, even if he was ten times the Casanova that Cass would ever be. Was that about what you were hoping for? Dean asked breathlessly, still leaning above him. That was the best kiss of my life, Cass admitted without an ounce of exaggeration. My only complaint is that it ended. Cass could sense Dean's grin in the dim light as much as he could see it, Dean's skin lit by the huge moon that was beginning to progress overhead. Good to know we're on the same page with that, Dean said before pressing more kisses into Cass's skin, across his cheek to his ear and down his jaw. Cass gave out a low moan, sparks flying from his skin to Dean's mouth. He reached up, pressing the palm of his hand flat to Dean's chest, distracted for a second by the play of Dean's muscles beneath his Henley shirt. After a moment, Cass remembered himself and what he'd meant to say through the onslaught of Dean's welcome affection. You should try and stretch your wings before we have to pack up and head out of here. Dean slowed, trailing his lips back up to Cass's own and depositing one longer, gentler kiss there. Yeah, I should. I need to try, at least. Cass tilted his head, taking in Dean above him, noticing his averted gaze and the way he was slowly pulling back. You're frightened, Cass observed quietly as non-judgmentally as he could. You're afraid you won't be able to hold your weight, or that it'll be too painful to transform, or that you'll be stuck. His gaze still somewhere in the trees to their right, Dean didn't answer, but he gave a small, sharp nod. Pushing up from his position laying on the blanket, Cass tentatively reached out, wrapping his arms around Dean and pulled him into a hug. Dean was stiff and tense in his arms, and then he was soft, relaxing into Cass's shoulder. It'll be okay, was all that Cass said. Dean nodded. Yeah, gotta try sometime, right? Sam can't keep bringing me blood forever. Cass nodded, moving to stand and offering his hands to Dean, hauling him up alongside him. Do you want me to go away or anything? Would you rather do it alone? No, please, stay. I'll just... Dean jerked his thumb back to the trees. I'm just going to step over there. Don't want to ruin my clothes, so... Cass flushed a little, briefly imagining Dean naked only a few feet to his left. Yes, of course, I'll wait here. It was a long wait, though Cass wasn't sure if the length was from the difficulty or uncertainty. When he was just about to call out and ask if he was okay, he heard a low, pained yell come from the trees, followed by a loud, glorious, scream. Cass couldn't help the huge grin that burst out of him. He knew that Dean wasn't happy with his nature, and that he had done his best to work around it, to be the person he wanted to be. But this part of him, the part that could take flight and be free, Cass knew he would have been broken to lose. A flurry of wings and happy squeaks brought a familiar fuzzy little body to hover in front of Cass's face before he landed on Cass's outstretched wrist. Aware that a goofy grin was spread across his face, Cass lifted his arm to his face so that he could take a good look at the bat, at Dean. It really is you. He said, softer than he intended, sounding somewhat awed. Scream Dean leaned forward, balancing with his wings and nuzzled into Cass's cheek. Cass brought his other hand up to pet familiarly at the back of Dean's head. So all that time we spent together. Everything I told you. Dean ducked his head, his green eyes downturned. Hey, it's okay. Cass nudged under his chin with a single finger, bringing his eyes back up. We're okay. Dean's tiny, fuzzy little body leaned into Cass's palm, and the green eyes rested contentedly on Cass's face, allowing him to study Dean even more closely. You're amazing like this, Dean. Cass smiled, meaning it. My family might have been men of letters, but I think it's pretty awesome, as you would say to have a boyfriend who's a vampire. That is, I mean, uh... Cass felt his cheeks burn, and he hoped for a moment that Dean wouldn't see them in the dim light, but he knew that was unlikely. If you want to be, well, that. Anyway, just in theory, you know, not assuming. Tiny shudders vibrating through Dean's wings seemed to indicate that the tiny bat was laughing at him. Cass glared. For sudden embarrassment flooded him again, enough to draw his spare hand up to cover his face. Oh God, I just remembered I named you after you. Yes, that movement was definitely tiny bat laughter. Stop laughing at me, you ass butt. Dean practically slumped against Cass's palm, his leathery wings shaking, before picking himself up to flap on over to his shoulder. With one little clawed hand tangled in Cass's hair, just like he used to, Dean butted his head into the side of Cass's face like an insistent cat and made a series of long squeaks. Cass raised his hand once more, resuming his gentle petting and scratching between Dean's ears. You're beautiful and lovely like this, Dean. I don't know how you're still you when you're a bat, but somehow you are. Dean squeaked affectionately before spreading out his wings and jumping from Cass's shoulder, gliding forward. He did a big loop in the moonlit sky above, letting out a joyful squeak into the night air. He flew off into the trees, and a few minutes later, Dean bounded back out, fully human, his jeans and boots back in place, but his shirt still in his hand. I did it, Cass, I can still fly, he exclaimed beaming as he rushed forward and threw his arms around Cass. Cass emitted a squeak not unlike one of Dean's, suddenly finding the expanse of Dean's bare, freckled chest pressed up against him. Unable to keep his hands to himself at the sudden onslaught, Cass slid his hands up across Dean's sides to his back, his breath shaky as his fingers trailed across the muscles beneath Dean's shoulder blades. I'm so happy for you, Dean, really, but please put your shirt on before you give me a heart attack. Oh, I see. Dean teased, taking a little step back. You can stroke me and touch me as much as you want when I have fur, but when I'm human, clothes on at all times. Cover up that horrible thing, right? Dean, Cass said, his voice low between them as he followed Dean's step, closing the space between them once more. He leaned in, pressing his mouth to Dean's jaw and leading a trail of wet, open-mouthed kisses down his neck. Put your shirt on, unless you want me to take everything else off, and it's much too cold out here for that. Cass felt Dean's sharp swallow beneath his lips, and his stomach flipped over at the realization that he could do that to such a beautiful man. It's getting cold, Dean noted breathlessly tilting his head back toward baby. Car. Cass nodded, and they reluctantly slipped apart, Dean stealing a few more brief kisses even as they did so, before obediently tugging his henley back over his head. The picnic was quick to clean up, everything shoved easily back into Dean's backpack, before Dean used the flashlight on his phone to light their way down the increasingly darkened path back to the car, hand in hand. For a brief, hopeful moment, Cass daydreamed that Dean might be up for more kissing, or more, in the car. But instead, Dean smiled serenely, taking his hand on the wide front bench, and drove them back to Sioux Falls. God damn it, Dean wanted to straddle Cass's lap in the front seat and kiss him until he lost all sense. He was quite proud of his restraint, keeping his hands to himself beyond simply tangling his fingers with Cass's while they drove. It wasn't by any means that Dean didn't want to take things further. They both wanted to, that was clear, and it wasn't like they'd only just met. But even if they had known each other for several months, This was technically still their first date, and damn it, Dean was going to do this one right this time. This one mattered. Heck, he'd even thought it already, in the back of his mind and on the tip of his lips. He loved Cass. He was totally head over heels in love with this awkward, smart, dorky little man. Perhaps Cass wasn't there yet, and that was fine. He'd had less time to get to know Dean than Dean had technically had to get to know him, after all. But Dean was a goner, so he couldn't mess this up. Besides, it had certainly occurred to Dean that given Cass's intense anxiety in social situations and previous eternal bachelor status, there was a pretty decent chance that Cass wouldn't be ready, or perhaps hadn't ever even had sex before. Dean wasn't sure Cass had mentioned dating anyone just failed dates with hideously mismatched people that his brother kindly, in his way anyway, tried to set him up with. And he certainly didn't seem like the one-night-stand type, as Dean had always been, more through necessity than choice. Driving through town a few blocks from Cass's apartment, Dean cleared his throat. "'Cass, I don't want to make anything weird or make you uncomfortable, but I want to ask you something.' Cass turned, his eyes resting on the side of Dean's face as he drove. We've already been through some pretty uncomfortable things, he pointed out. I'm sure it'll be fine. Dean nodded. I want to know where you're at with this, Cass. Have you ever been with a guy before? Not that I'm assuming you. No, I haven't, Cass said, surprisingly blunt and easy. But yes, I want to, with you. Oh said dean well that was simpler than he thought he kept his eyes firmly fixed on the road trying to spot the right turning you asked me once back when we first met if i was asexual or anything like that Cass talked to the side of dean's face while he navigated which was kind of you to ask by the way but i was so dazed that maybe you liked me it didn't even strike me how funny that was given that you were one of the most attractive men I've ever seen, and I definitely thought about what it would be like to have sex with you, since practically the day we met. Dean's knuckles were white on the wheel of the Impala, and he cleared his throat desperately. Uh, um, right, yeah. Good to know. Definitely good to know. Am I making you uncomfortable? Dean's eyes flicked over to Castiel. "'Reassuringly, he hoped, "'and he squeezed his hand before releasing it "'so that he could pull his baby into the parking lot "'next to Cass's building. "'No, not uncomfortable,' he clarified. "'Quite the opposite, actually. "'Good.' "'Cass's grin was slightly wolfish, "'taking Dean by surprise. "'Because it would be ridiculous for you "'to be uncomfortable with me "'simply while talking about sex.' when you sat on my nightstand while I masturbated, Dean. Dean hit the brake of the Impala a little too sharply, and they jolted into the parking space. Cass stifled a laugh, and when Dean turned to look at him, raising an eyebrow, he covered his mouth with his hand, grinning. Sorry. No, you're not, Dean laughed. I'll have you know I was the perfect little batty gentleman. Stayed in my box, didn't even peek. Cass eyed him levelly, unflinching. Not saying I didn't want to, Dean huffed, but that wouldn't have been right. Next to Dean, in the middle of the bench seat with no sense of personal space whatsoever, Cass laughed. Quietness fell between them, and there was a tension to it, not an uncomfortable one by any means, something more like anticipation, thrumming around them while baby's engine ticked and cooled. Dean didn't want the night to end. It was clear that Cass didn't either. But maybe... Would you like to come up? Cass asked, cocking his head in the direction of his apartment above them. You can see if my home feels smaller at human size. Dean gave a little chuckle. He turned in his seat, resting his elbow on top of the steering wheel as he faced Cass. Make no mistake, Cass, there is nothing I want more to head up with you, but... He paused for a breath and a gulp. This is our first date. I like you, Cass. A lot. And I don't want this to be. Cass's mouth was on his before he finished, wet and hot and soft in a way that only the best kisses can be. He opened up. Their tongues swirled, velvet and slick. Their foreheads were pressed together, Cass not even pulling back all the way to talk, his lips still brushing against Dean's. Dean, you've spent three weeks in my bed already, and then I spent part of every day sitting on yours for weeks in turn. I feel the same way you do, so please just come upstairs with me. Dean cut him off with another kiss, needier, the weight of it pushing Cass back across the bench seat. Dean's fingers tightened on the shoulder of his navy cotton shirt. Then let's go. They parted clumsily and moved to the dark parking lot, into the building, the space like a held breath between them. They walked just close enough that the back of their knuckles brushed and their sleeves met. They didn't speak, keeping their eyes ahead, fully aware of each other's smile in their peripherals. They made it through the door of Cass's apartment with a nervous fumbling of keys. They waited. And as soon as the door closed, Dean's patience was done. He surged forward, tasting Cass's lips again, running his tongue along the bottom one just once before he sucked it into his mouth and tugged gently with his teeth. The moan that Cass released at the sensation filled Dean's mouth like an echo chamber, cut off only by the dull thump of Cass's back hitting the inside of his front door. Dean practically had him pinned, kissing him into a frenzy and not even far enough into the apartment to have their boots off. Dean, Cass gasped out, his eyes slipping shut as his head tilted to the side to allow Dean to work his way down his neck. Mm, Cass. With all the response Dean could give, his lips muffled against Cass's pulse. Cass reached down, tugging up at the bottom of Dean's shirt. Dean pulled back just enough to grin down at Cass as he slumped against the door, one of Dean's hands boxing him in above his shoulder the other at his hip. I thought you wanted me to keep the shirt on, Dean said. Cass groaned deeply. You're a relentless tease. This is my first time, you know. I'm not going to have the stamina to get through the full Dean Winchester joke repertoire. Dean laughed, pressing the sound into Cass's collarbone before he looked back at him, his eyes twinkling. Speaking of your first time... Dean paused, both hands sliding down Cass's sides and over the cheeks of his ass, gripping into his thighs and shamelessly hoisting Cass up to his waist. It's going to happen in a bed, not against a door. Luckily, I know where one is. The delighted gasp that Cass let out as he wrapped his legs around Dean tumbled into laughter as Dean carried him across the apartment. He took Cass's weight mostly with his good arm stopping every few steps to rest Cass's back on whatever surface was closest and deposit a kiss somewhere on his face. Cass made an appreciative noise as he held onto Dean's biceps, squeezing them a little. Preening, Dean hoisted him a little higher to show off as they made their way across the kitchen. Yes, I get it, Dean, you're strong. Cass rolled his eyes playfully. I guess there are more muscles to be made lifting car parts than dirty dishes. Oh, it's probably all the flying, said Dean. Cass blinked, and for a minute Dean had him before they dissolved into laughter again, and he dumped Cass down on the bed on his back. The mattress protested, but it made Cass giggle, and that was worth everything. Fine, it's the cars, Dean admitted, as he crawled above Cass on the bed. And when he had one knee on each side of Cass's thighs, he sat back, and slid his fingers up to the lowest button of Cass's shirt. His hands rested there, waiting as his eyes caught on Cass's. Bright, excited blue, Cass's intense gaze locked on Dean as he nodded. He didn't look away for even a moment, just watching as Dean opened his shirt button by button, chasing the fabric with kisses across Cass's abs. When Dean pushed the soft navy fabric off of Cass's shoulders, he gave a low whistle. I don't know what you were saying about dirty dishes, Cass, but damn, keep doing it. Dean was enchanted to see that the frequent blushes which colored Cass's cheeks extended down onto his chest. Kissing at the heated skin, he took a moment to tease his tongue around Cass's left nipple, delighting in the lively hiss it earned him. Being allowed to be this close to Cass, to have earned his trust enough to be with him so intimately, felt overwhelming in the very best way. Dean whispered as much into Cass's skin under his ribs, and Cass's fingers anchored into his hair, stroking and humming contentedly. I already told you, Dean. We're okay, and if you want me, I'm yours. Dean had no words to answer with, so he claimed him with his lips once again, unable to stop his smiles. Sitting back once the feel of Cass beneath him became too much, Dean peeled off his henley before leaning back down for more hot, eager kisses, now given the extra edge of them being chest to bare chest amongst the pillows. Cass was the first to go for Dean's belt, only breaking their make-out session long enough to see his jeans to the floor before resuming. His own followed shortly after. For the most part, Dean tried to keep things slow and intimate. After already spending so much time in this bed, he was infinitely grateful to be there as himself. But Cass had an agenda in mind, his thick erection rutting hard against Dean's hip as they kissed, and Dean wasn't about to discourage him. They pressed against each other through their underwear for a long, increasingly heated few minutes, before Dean slipped his hand between them, wrapping his fingers around Cass through his boxer briefs. He squeezed and rubbed slowly, temptingly, while his lips and teeth worked a possessive mark onto the base of Cass's neck. Grabbing knots into the pillows with his fists, Cass pressed his hips up keenly to Dean's hand, nodding breathlessly. Dean, please. Yes, for you, anything. Dean murmured into Cass's shoulder, helpless to it. He'd never seen eyes so beautiful never seen a soul so bare. Once Cass had decided to let someone in, he just gave. And Dean felt like he'd be trying forever to earn everything he now had. This feeling. It had been longer for him than Cass, he knew that. He understood Cass better, in a way, the one-sided conversations they had falling in Dean's favor. In time, it wouldn't matter. And right then, it didn't either. They were both finally on the same page, and that was all they needed. They cast aside their underwear without further discussion or teasing, and took his time exploring with his lips and teeth and tongue until Dean shivered against the mattress and rolled them back over. Between Cass's thighs, Dean rocked against him with intensity, moaning his name as he brought them closer. When neither could wait any longer, Dean took them both in hand soothing the friction with their mixed pre and sweat. He brought them the rest of the way to orgasm, pressed together, their stomachs sticking with the ample remains. It was simple, but close and perfect, and Dean knew he was totally, hopelessly in love with this man. But he kept it to himself, close to his heart, waiting for when Cass was ready. It wasn't going away. It'd keep Sighing, fucked out and sleepy, they went to Cass's tiny bathroom one by one to clean up, then snuggled up back in the bed, wrapped in each other under the covers. Stay, said Cass simply. Dean nodded, and the small exchange was the last thing he remembered before their limbs tangled lazily and they slept. It was late by the time Dean woke. They'd ended up spooning, Dean cocooned within Cass's arms their legs intertwined with the blanket cozily trapped around them. Cass's phone danced frantically across the nightstand, pulling Dean from his cozy, content slumber. Rubbing the heel of one hand over his eyes, he nudged Cass awake. Hey, Cass, your phone. Been going nuts for a few minutes, I think. Cass groped around for it silently, squinting like a mole. Mornings, Dean recalled were not his favorite time of day. Cass stared at the phone for a long moment before turning it to show Dean the screen. Missed call from Naomi Novak, 6. Dean watched a slow, satisfied smile break over Cass's features as he ran his thumb along the screen to unlock it. Tapping into his mother's contact information, Dean watched, quiet, as he selected further options and then blocked the number. Once done, Cass deleted her name entirely. Tossing the phone back onto the nightstand, Cass rolled back over with a contented hum and settled himself into Dean's arms. Dean grinned into Cass's hair. What? he asked sleepily against Dean's shoulder, his words a warm puff of air. Nothing. Just glad I got to watch that, Dean confessed. Proud of you, Cass. He felt Cass's flushing smile in the crook of his neck as Cass nuzzled back in. Clinging onto the bedding, Dean wrapped his arms around Cass's shoulders, snuggling him into his chest. He arranged the blanket to cocoon them both like gentle wings and pressed a long kiss to Cass's temple before they went back to sleep. The end. Hannah already says I'm lonely and weird. Anthropomorphizing. Anthropomorphizing a bat for company isn't going to help. The vet was a quirky little man. The vet was a quirky little man named... The vet... Was a quirky little man named Dr. Fitzgerald. The vet was a quirky little man named Dr. Fitzgerald. Why oh, can't I say that? <laughs> Dean noted the use of the gender neutral term with the t- <laughs> Dean noted the use of the gender-neutral. <laughs> <laughs> Dean eased himself down onto the kitchen table. Nope. Nope. <laughs> Not onto the kitchen table. <laughs> Dean eased himself down to the kitchen table. Now, this must be the boyfriend you procure. <laughs> this must be the boyfriend you procure. <laughs> procured. 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 Poor lad. This must be the boyfriend you procured. No. This must be the boyfriend you proc- cur- cur- Procured. But found his hand drifting up to dance along Dean's perfect cheekbone instead. But found his hand drifting up to dance along Dean's perfect cheekbone instead to dance along Dean's perfect cheek, but found his hand drifting up to dance along Dean's perfect, the panic was quick to clean up, nope, (laughs) not panic, Thank you so much for your support. You can contact me on Twitter, Tumblr, or by emailing me at makingitupaswegopod at gmail.com. As always, thank you so much for listening.